0: Welcome to the Todd and Taylor Show. This is a uh, coffee and comics episode. Uh, Taylor and I are recording this early in the morning on Sunday. Welcome, Taylor. Welcome, Todd.
1: It's a it's a good day to talk comics. It is. It's been a yeah. while since we've since we've chatted comics. We used to do that. It used to be a semi regular feature of the Todd and Taylor Show. And I think you know as this, as we've explained before, this year has been a little bit busy for us and hit and miss. So it's kind of nice to kind of come back to this this yeah. topic and see what to, see what we're reading.
0: Yeah um should we just jump into it what are you reading
1: um well let's kind of go back and forth uh i'll go you go and we'll, you'll know, we'll kind of give a different uh a different pick on our poll list or a read list uh, currently and we'll just kind of see i'm going to start with um a, a, a recurring one um here on the todd and taylor show and that is east of west um of course by jonathan hickman illustrated by nick dragada who you recently uh got to hear from at comic-con which is a a whole other conversation, but I, I love, I'm in the bag for this book. Um, it was one when my uh, comic loving sort of uh, obsession kicked back up again. And especially when I really got into image East of West was a huge part of that and a huge reason for that. So I've been following it since, you know, uh, late, late 2013, sometimes, you know, somewhere in 2014, um, you know, when it came out
0: yeah. and
1: it's in the story arc is, is, is definitely uh, starting to to head toward the you know the end the end game. So let me um, ask you.
0: Um, so <clears throat> I, we're many many trade paperbacks into it right now. What yeah, are, we're,
1: we're many trade paperbacks. Are
0: they done with two, the single
1: issue' we're, we're two omnibuses into it too. So like yeah. you know the world volume one, the world volume two, and I think he's going to do. Uh, I think he's going to do three, but he may do four, uh, representing the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Like volumes of this stuff
0: are you know you know, seasons, if you will, but yeah, but we're, you mean, you mean the big, omnibus the big guys.
1: ones. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So
0: are they done with the single issues and you're just kind of waiting for the trade paperbacks to come out? Oh, or no, still no, no.
1: I'm still, so I'm still doing the single issues digitally. Um, you know, I first got into it. They were three trade, you know, trade paperbacks in actually I take that back when I got into it, they had just put out East of West of the world, which if you want to get into the series is the perfect place to start. It gives you all of the players, all the you know the countries that are involved um, gives you a sort of a, a, an intro as to why the United States is split up the way it is. And just really a nice jumping in point. Um, and I don't – not a lot of comics do that where they give you kind of a, a yeah. teaser issue like that. So it's, and
0: that's I, just a one-shot I, issue.
1: Yeah, just a one-shot. And I actually just happened to see it in the comic shop uh, over Christmas one day, and it, it just looked cool. And I was just like, I got completely sucked in, which is such a great, you know, the day of the internet and recommendations and stuff, it was great to have just a pure play discovery like that. Um, And then come to find that it's one of my favorite things, which that's always, anytime I walk into a comic shop, I'm always wondering what is in here now that's going to be my new favorite thing that I don't know about yet. Right. And this is, this is one of those things. So there, um, they are 34, 35 issues in, um, and I'm still reading the singles, but I'm collecting the, uh. I stopped doing uh, collecting the trades, and I'm getting the omnibuses now. So the big, you know, the big hardcover volumes when they come out. So I'm caught up to uh, 34, which came out August 2nd. 35 comes out September 20th, and it's definitely, you know, they're they're kind of much like Game of Thrones. They're done, kind of playing the political back and forth. Now it's about seriously major, major moves. Um, and that issue 34 found definitely a big, major, major move. One of the one of the major players had a at a pretty crazy, uh, crazy blow a crazy defeat at the hands of another, uh, another major character. So like stuff's really kind of moving forward now. And I think, yeah, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, doubt that, you know, within the next year, we're probably wrapping that up. So if you want to get into it, um, great time to start because then you can still kind of feel the excitement as it, as it heads towards the conclusion, um, get caught up, but you can get caught up very quickly. Like the first three trades that I purchased, uh, I think I read those over a weekend. Um, might have reread one or two of them that same weekend because they're just so good. I love Nick Dragotta's art here. Um, he's he has drawn all of them. They haven't done any of those like weird things where they get a guest artist in for a, a run yeah. or something. It's been pre- It's been completely consistent. Hickman writing, Dragotta drawing, and Dragotta's is actually just as much part of the writing process because Hickman will you know and you you saw this Hickman will give him ideas and he'll go no nah, I don't want to draw that I want I'd rather draw this and he's it's very much a mutual um you know kind of creative uh, endeavor between the two guys
0: yeah it's uh i'm i so taylor's been talking about this since uh or you, yeah i don't know why i said that in the third person you've been talking about this <laughs> since i think actually episode 0. 0.5 yeah of yeah Day. because i think this was in i had to go back and look through our index and i think it was this is the comic book discussion that got cut off it was like yeah. real famous we had done an episode we we're trying to do like pilot episodes and one of them just got lost to history like halfway through um But yeah, I mean, uh, you you're and and then when I visited you in Denver, um, that first year of the show, uh, you showed me sort of volume one. And I was like, read two pages and went, I'm in. Holy shit. Yeah. Uh, But it has taken me until a few months ago to actually finish volume one, the trade Mm -hmm. paperback. And I, uh, I, I loved like, it looks amazing. And the story is crazy and has all the things that I should want in a comic. But for some reason, I just didn't. This is the thing I'm going to talk about in some of the other books today is that I just didn't want to read the next one, you know, How interesting. And, it, and it may be that it's still going on. Yeah, you know, maybe yeah. that thing of like, hey, let me know when it wraps up and I can digest the whole thing. But uh, yeah, but it's it, it's in it's absolutely incredible. If you've not picked up East of West, I would almost say if you can't find that one shot um, East of West of the world, just grab trade paperback. Number one, image yeah. always does like ten dollar versions of their number one oh, it's like six TV's. bucks on
1: kindle right now too like on kindle, oh, wow. you know it's like super cheap so yeah jump
0: in and you're um, gonna know like instantly like you know if you want to keep going i mean that i don't yeah it's it's well really and
1: tough. i'll say this too i mean we've we beat this to death in other episodes but like if you're wondering like is it you know is it a western is it sci-fi you know what is it i would say it's it's definitely a hybrid and it's got a little you know a little fantasy thrown in for yeah. but it's more a western i think it's a more western first and then all the sci-fi elements are sort of the backdrop. Um, you know, I, a lot of things.
0: Just well, for I was, contrast, I would go the opposite and say it's a sci-fi that's put in a Western oh, s- setting. Interesting. Yeah.
1: And I, the reason I the reason I made that point is because there's a lot of historical context that's true to our history. Um, you know, the whole conceit is at some point in the in the, in the 1910s, um, an asteroid you know hits basically Missouri. And um, kind of creates this tangent reality where all this stuff goes on, um, and it's in this got interesting. Like there's a, the really cool the thing that really sucked me in was in the very very beginning, like in the first couple pages of issue one, volume one. They talk about how you know it. Uh, uh, I think it was a um, Standing Bear. Oh, I'm gonna this is gonna drive me nuts. Uh, one of the major uh, American Indian chiefs basically pulled the Genghis Khan and united all of the chiefs under one system of rule and so the american indian um, you know population became its own country and they called it the, the endless nation and when they stopped fighting each other they actually became very technologically advanced and just that notion just that idea yeah. of an alternate reality was like really freaking cool and well, there's and some the, other, you know yeah. other
0: stuff like that and i think that's kind of what keeps it out of that pure sci-fi realm so i yeah. where which, which is where i understand what you're saying your interpretation of it as western first is mm-hmm. that it, it does have all these, like, crazy beliefs and magic, but also yeah. this, like, super, you know, intense technology and this, this you know, crazy alternate history. It's it's just, it's a very cool comic. And the art is unbelievable.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, Nick Drogatta is awesome. Like, the colors, whoever's doing the colors, too, like, just everything about it is is pretty freaking fantastic. And you can tell it's one of those books where it's like, hey, you know, Hick- Hickman wants to write about this stuff. Dragotta wants to draw it like no no one else need interfere like just let them do their thing and they they've got it figured out i to this day don't understand how hickman has the time to do this let alone like this plus like the five other image series yeah. doing, plus his marvel shit plus like you know i i don't understand i just don't so well on well on him
0: yeah what about you what's what's your first pick i'm going to give a this is a, a a really sideways pick, but it's funny because the last time we did a comic book show, I said, I'm naming all these, these comics that I've been collecting the loose uh, issues for as a kind of accountability that I will actually read them all. Um, So here's one of those that I've read and it is Dr. Afra, which is one of the star Wars ongoing series. Mm. Um, And I, I just started picking it up because I wanted a star Wars series that was not about, the episode four characters basically like i didn't want to hear i didn't want to read you know luke and han stories i i I don't know you know because there was when marvel you know really started pushing these new star wars titles i just felt like give me something new um and picked it up just totally randomly uh liked the art in it i think it's i think it's kieran gillen or that's or oh sorry actually i looked it up it's kev walker um uh kieran gillen is the writer of it (laughs) whom I believe wrote a lot, a run of uh, Power Girl that I really enjoyed. Mm. But anyway, um, it takes place uh, like sort of around the time of Star Wars Episode Four, but it doesn't involve those characters. And it's about this um, uh, sort of archaeologist, sort of um, treasure seeker kind of person, Doctor Afra, who is
1: like uh, like a Laura Croft character.
0: Ah, uh, you could say Laura Croft, but what I got from it, um, the big vibe was this is a, like an Indiana Jones story with a young female protagonist thrown into the Star Wars universe.
1: Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah,
0: like she has a um, a Wookiee sidekick. Uh, she also has like a kind of a three PO and an R two droid, uh-huh. but they're homicidal. <laughs> <laughs> Oh like, my god, you just told me. They're violating element. the first rule of robotics. Like crazy.
1: Well, I see um, them on the cover of issue 1 and like they look a little, you know, they look they kind of they're doing this the the classic pose of 3PO and R2, but obviously R2 is a different unit and they look sort of a little there's something a little wonky about them so that. I'm actually just that alone makes me interested.
0: Yeah, and it's um and she, you know, there's like there's like a father figure that she take That's, this is the big Indiana Jones thing. is like in the first arc she ends up um uh you know regrouping with her father and like they have this strained relationship and um uh, he has to help her you know on this in this one mission and um it, so it was it you very much get that vibe of like uh <laughs> Indiana Jones 3 you know where there's the two Dr Joneses um but I I don't know I just I I just ended up really liking it it was like a real dark horse it was kind of mm. um uh I didn't know anything about it and I didn't end up like freaking out about it and loving it so much but i read that arc and my first thought was like i got to share this with people you know So at at comic-con i took it down and and just gave the whole arc to a friend i'd been grabbing the single issues and just you know handed them all off like you enjoy this now so uh, it's definitely one i'll end up checking back into um i my pull list even though it didn't get out of hand it just got i got backed up with single issues so i'm definitely feeling like yeah maybe i wait for trades from now on for Mm -hmm. for a while so
1: yeah. it's interesting. You say that. I, I, as we've discussed before, I'm constantly going back and forth between what do I want as a trade? What totally. do I want as a single issue? You know, and it's like stuff like invincible, which is, you know, 300 issues into its <laughs> run, like buying the trades, like just, there's not enough shelf space for all the trades. So i I kind of committed wholesale to just buying, um, uh, uh, Kindle comiXology, single digital issues. Oh, wow. like, I can just have them all there. They're usually a little cheaper. Um, then I can kind of keep up each week as that continues, but like something like east to west, which i am a I love the art as much as anything i want I want that on my shelf you know I want the physical object of that thing yeah so it 's like and then there 's things like Southern Cross, which I started off, I joined Southern Cross the week it debuted um did all the single issues, but now i 've converted over to trades because I want to kind of consume that story in bigger bigger chunks same thing with um uh they're not like us which is i'm a, I'm a huge yeah. fan of but i have to wait because these single issues move so slowly that it's just it's a little frustrating so reading everything in one big chunk is way more satisfying so i don't know i just i'm, I'm no, constantly I, I, at odds with that question
0: i you know honestly for as many decades as i have been reading uh comics now when i was a kid and reading comics i actually like subscribed through the mail to mm. x-men and stuff but mm. um uh, and the comic store is like where you, where I went to just crate dig, you know, I wasn't keeping up with new comics, like on a weekly visit to the comic book store, but I never had a a pull list until like this year or late last year or something, because I felt like, Oh, I got to keep up with, um, you know, a few comics and, uh, and, uh, anyway, so that's how I did it, which and a, a, if anyone's listening, who doesn't know what that is, that a pull list is when you just tell your comic book shop, like, Hey, pull these issues when they come out for me. And next time you go in, you've got all these comics to read. And it's, but I've discovered that I've gone the other way now where it's so hard for me to keep up with those single issues. So, yeah. Anyway.
1: Yeah. Well, it's and my problem. My other problem, too, is a lot of the stuff I'm into right now has gone on either permanent or temporary hiatus. So, like, oh, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Nowhere Men had come back and now it's, you know, it got three or four issues into its new run and then they just stopped. And I'm like, when are you going to start again? Um, sometime. You know, it's just like, right. okay, yeah. I guess. Um, so it's like, in, it, if I'm going to do a single issue, I kind of feel like it's a TV show, like a weekly TV show. Like I, I need the assurance that it's going to keep coming out on schedule, um, and then I kind of need to know that each individual issue is going to pack a certain punch, um, like Invincible, so that I can, you know, I like go, oh, that was satisfying, and then wait till the next one and feel, you know, feel a little less overwhelmed than if I were to read all of those in a in a trade or a collection or something. So it's, I think, when you get into comics at this level or just even, you know, even. Semi casually, these are kinds. Of, these are the things that no one ever sits down and explains to you. Like you walk into a shop and you go, "Oh, cool! I'll buy this book or this." And you know, you might buy a a hardcover book like one I'm going to talk about uh, in, in just a bit. That you think, "Oh, is this made of single issues?" And it's like, "No, no, this was literally written to be this and only this." And so, like, you don't right. quite always know. And I, I like the I like the hunt, but I also like the. I, I I need to have some of these series I'm into like continue continue to go on so there's not like a lull that I try to fill with something else that I can't keep up with, you know?
0: Yeah. Um well, anyway. what's next what's next on your uh
1: Well, on uh one or. of those uh, another one that's wrapping up or start, you know definitely kind of heading towards the end game. Not it's not quite as close as, as East to West is, but it's definitely headed down that road. Is another one we've talked about for a while. It's the uh, the Wicked and the Divine. Um which has been, you know, Kind of awesome. It's I picked that up too. Let's see, my first trip to a Portland comic store. Um, I uh I, I got uh, basically handed volume one of the trade know, the trade paperback volume one by the, the guy who owned that shop. Kind of fell in love with that story. Um, you know, for those of you who don't know, it's about and it is it's another Kieran Gillen. Is, is Kieran Gillen?
0: Is that right? That's that's like the that's the chicken. Yeah, like Kieran. It. Hang on. Oh, Wait, it's Kieran Kieran Gillen is
1: well, Karen Gillen is like the, the, uh, actors who played, um, Amy Pond and Dr. Who, so I'm always confused. Um, yeah, Karen Gillen and Jamie McKinnon. Wow. It's, it's such an interesting spelling. Anyway, uh, it's, it is about a, a group of young people who are manifested as gods in modern day and every hundred years or every 90 years, rather they, they reincarnate, um, and it, you know, they, they kind of make great pains to tell you like, you know this has happened before, it'll happen again. The whole series kicks off by showing you everybody in the 1920s um, kind of on their final day before they before they die because the catch is once you incarnate as a God, you only have two years to live. And so they were all dying at the end of that. that uh, portion you see them reincarnated currently as pop stars. So once they reincarnate, um, or once like you know a person realizes they're a god they they more or less become a pop star at that point because that's the easiest way to get prayers and adoration
0: in, in this yeah. century
1: in this century yeah yeah yeah, yeah like um, they
0: kind of flash back to other incarnations and stuff
1: they do and, and what they've done recently in the last couple months is they've deliberately put out more one shots of different time periods so they did one of like you know the 1800s that was a one shot with you know some of these characters and like they do they, they'll show you that hey because just because Minerva was a woman, now she could have been a dude, you know, back in you know the 1800s, and you know, like when she reincarnated back then, yeah. same sort of you know habits and ticks and stuff, and you know, she still has her mechanical owl back then, but it, it may be a guy, maybe you know, different. So the one that really kind of pulled me back into the series, they showed one from um, basically Roman times, just because I can't think of the, I can't remember the years, so I'll just say Roman times, yeah, um, and yeah, it showed Roman one of the uh, one of the Caesars. Um, was Lucifer. So Lucifer, if you don't know, is, is one of the first characters you see in the modern you know, in the modern pantheon. Um, and it's a girl, it's a woman who looks like uh, sort of Lucy. the white, the thin white Duke. Yeah, Lucy. She looks like the thin white Duke David Bowie. So she's you know, got a cool cosplay aspect to her that Todd's talked about before. Um, but they showed her as a <laughs> Lucifer was a guy back in Roman times and basically became emperor. And where it gets really interesting is Ananke, who is kind of like the guardian God, um, you know, she's always there. She kind of like, if they ever do a live action TV series of this, if they don't cast Judy Dench as this character, something is going to be horribly wrong. Um, but she's always the same age. She's always there. She's got these crazy cool masks, but they showed her back in Roman times and Lucifer's the last guy, like all the other ones that have died or killed themselves. And Ananki says, Hey, you, you know, your time has come. And it's the first time we're, we're shown that, Oh, the whole like they die in two years thing is kind of self-imposed it's not like some magical thing like just you know makes them all die oh. like they they have to choose to either you know be killed or to take their own lives in two years it's kind of like the the you know the the unspoken rule so lucifer at that point decides no 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 i'm you know there's nothing that's that's just silly that's nonsense and ananki tells him he's like hey if you don't die now it's going to get it's going to get really bad. You're going to kind of go insane. And then you're going to beg me to kill you. And he's like, that's not going to happen. And sure enough, it fast forwards like another couple months and Lucifer has gone insane, like completely insane to the point where some of the visuals of what he has done are kind of haunting. And you're like, Oh my God. Yeah. And then eventually he just collapses because he, you know, he, you know, his eyes are starting to you know, bleed and everything. So a um, you know, goes and kills him. And then she's like, you know, uh, basically telling the, the the Mongol hordes or whoever taking over Rome at the time, like, remember this, tell, you know, tell all your ancestors that this happened um, so that. Cause she doesn't want this to, she basically wants this to be a reminder that the next, you know, in, in 90 years when the gods come back again, that, you know, this, this is going to go wrong for you. So like, there's, there's all these clues now that from these little one shots they're putting up that sort of mirror almost Watchmen style mirror the current narrative in an interesting way. And you're kind of seeing all of these warning signs for the the current crop of gods. And then Laura, um, who's sort of the main protagonist through the whole thing. So um,
0: probably not the last time we talked about this, but there was a, there was a volume where they, they did a thing where every artist on the, each single issue is different. Yes. And that, I mean, you weren't like, against it but it was definitely like it disrupted your enjoyment of it, it I think. definitely yeah it definitely did are you it, back I... into it now like is it has it sort of because res- I, I remember you saying like at when they actually finished it all it made sense to you why they did it but have they won you back? I guess that's what I'm asking.
1: I mean, I'm definitely back in. I mean, I bought the recent trade um, okay. paperback. Like I'm, I'm definitely following it till the end because it's very interesting to me. That that run, and I think it was volume three where they did that. Yeah, It picked up right after a massive, massive cliffhanger. And that entire volume did very little to talk about that cliffhanger. Oh, so it man. was almost like a, 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 nothing, a nothing burger yeah. season that happened to be illustrated by different artists. Now, I thought, where they were going with this was that we were seeing all these things in a perspective that would like the actual different artists would, you know, would serve a story purpose too, that we were, Oh, we were seeing this through the eyes of one of the characters. And maybe that's why we we're seeing it differently. That turned out to not be the case. It just was literally like, Hey, oh, we want okay. to take a break from drawing it. So we're going to give these folks a chance. And, and to be honest, some of the, some of the issues were gorgeous, but it, it's stylistically like you get into a nice groove, like with East of West into how it looks and how it feels and the you know the, the way it's sort of executed. So when they went to that season, not only did the story just creep to a crawl and like nothing hardly anything happens, but then each issue is like completely different from the last visually. Yeah. And you just you lose a lot of that. You're just like, "Oh, so when they finally got back in in I'll call it season 4, volume 4, then it's like, "Oh, this is where we left off at the end of volume 2. Okay, great." Um and then now the volume 5 is really like the, the wheels are really coming off some of these characters, and you're, got, you're kind of seeing, um, you know, people you thought were bad guys are are turning out to be, you know, probably the most even-handed people of them all. And it's and it's it, you're you're not sure as a reader who to trust. They're not telegraphing a lot of stuff. You know, you're kind of at the seat of your pants, which is exciting. Um, so yeah, definitely. If you if you like, and I know you, Todd, you weren't quite as into it uh, as I have been. So right. uh, you know, to each their own. But if you're into, you know. Cool pop music sort of metaphors and motifs and, you know, a little mythology scattered throughout, but it not not so much that it's, you know, Neil Gaiman-esque uh, that it overwhelms you. Like, this is definitely a fun – it's just a fun, hip sort of series. I know at one point they had optioned it for a TV show. Who knows where that is? It could be another 10 years before that comes out. But I'm actually oh, – if that if that does go forward, I <laughs> will be super excited because that will be – this will make a fantastic show.
0: I don't – not to sidebar too much, but um, Chris Pratt was just cast in Cowboy Viking Ninja, which is a – Was he really? Yeah. I mean is that – I don't, I can't remember if that's an image comic or if it's um, – shoot. Or if it's another
1: uh, – It is image. Yep. No, it's image. It yep. Yeah, yeah.
0: I know it's one of those that I've picked up several times and, and, and had that thought of like, okay, someday I'll get through all these. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm
1: looking at the cover of that and like, yeah, that seems like if Chris, if, if not Chris Pratt, then who, I mean, honestly, <laughs> you
0: know? yeah, hey, exactly. what's,
1: what's, the, what's next in your list?
0: So um, another one that I, you know, wanted to be accountable for is a uh, motor crush, um, which has been stacking up in my pull list. Uh, it is another image title, of course, um, written by Cameron Stewart and illustrated by Babs Tarr. I really loved their run on Batgirl when they kind of made a hipster Batgirl and and took her to Burnside, um, which was sort of the Brooklyn of Gotham city. Uh, And I just, Babs has this really great, you know, illustrative style. It's, it's like she draws a lot from manga um, and, uh, you know, and it's just, it just looks cool and it doesn't look superhero-y and it, it also um, is feminine. So it, it doesn't have that sharp angular look that a lot of image titles have, um, mm-hmm. it, you know, which I enjoy uh, in those titles. But um, so it's definitely got a different look and the color palette for it is a lot of like blacks and grays and pinks and mm-hmm. fuchsias and things like that. So it's uh, it looks different, you know, it's not um, it, they don't approach it. Like they'll, they'll use every color. It's like the palette is pretty limited. Um so i i've been letting these stack up and literally did not know anything about it except that they were on it um and read it and it is about a young woman who is part of this motocross circuit that you know um is like a real legit one and then she on the side is part of an underground racing circuit uh and which is you know she would get banned from the legitimate one if, if if she could be identified as part of the illegitimate one um and it doesn't take too long before all of a sudden it's like a crazy futuristic sort of sci-fi thing that has these mm. cool, uh, you know, parallels to current reality. Like there's a little floating r- a robot, not that that's a current reality, but but that robot is meant to check in with her as a part of like social media kind of reality TV thing of like, you know, everybody on the circuit is wondering how's Domino doing, you know, check mm. in today. and. And it always talks to her, and I think I believe it's called, I'm sorry, not in front of me, but I think it's called Catbot because it looks like a little cat head. Um, and it's just, so it's got these cool little um, uh, t- touches like that that are uh, both fantastic, but also not really that much of a stretch, you know? Um, and is, that, is
1: there like an anime, I mean, some of this, um I'm, I'm looking at it while you're describing no. it, some of it has like a distinctive anime kind of feel to it. Is that, are you getting that much or like a manga feel to it?
0: yeah i mean i definitely they're they're drawing from like a uh like you know like a a deep history of of manga like (laughs) comics where um you know it's there's a lot of sort of i would say romanticized in that fast and furious kind of way oh neat cars and and motorcycles and motor vehicles in general you know like they're doing impossible things on them and stuff like that and okay. Um, okay i'll take an impossible crash but survive it or something and so it's this it's that neat way of of making that stuff um i you know just straddling the line between uh like a futuristic feel because it's not like speed racer you know yeah. what i mean yeah. it's like you you know they're on the streets of a city um but uh You know, but it still doesn't, it doesn't exactly feel real. And it's just, but it's just a very cool thing. Like if you like anime, if you like, uh, you know, manga, um, representations like that, like that's, this is totally going to appeal to you. And I thought it had just enough of the, the sci-fi stuff, um, or whatever you want to call it, like this kind of futuristic, um, feeling to draw you in. So I've, I've finished the first arc, which is actually just five issues. So it's out in a trade paperback now, um, and i've got issues 6 and 7 probably waiting for me in my pull list uh just haven't read them yet and it it definitely ends on like i would not exactly a cliffhanger in that first trade but it uh it leaves it ends on a place where it's like you've got more questions about what's to come mm. um and uh you know it's just kind of i it's it's sort of like i i was saying before about doctor afra like i'll probably just wait until the next trade is out like i mean i know i've got these these issues these single issues waiting for me but um i'm probably not going to sit there and devour like one issue after the other i'll probably wait till the next arc is done and then catch up and you know that's just kind of
1: it looks I, gorgeous I'm like i'm just i'm looking at some of the sample pages now and just it looks super cool it's got that thing that i dig where there's a hand-drawn quality but a very intentionally digital kind of color yeah that, well, that's a really so good like,
0: way of putting it which is a thing or- that's both you and i really like about image titles is like especially east of west too where um you can tell there's a a very drawn quality to it but yeah. also a very designed quality to it and not yeah. in a way like where they photoshopped it to like you just put a blur on something or you know adjust the colors but it's like it's part of the look the way it's drawn and i mean just following babs tar on like instagram and twitter is awesome because she'll do a bunch of process videos and show herself sketching it you know on her tablet and stuff like that and it's you know that kind of stuff is really cool to watch so
1: interesting well it's like i think you you tend to kind of gravitate towards the uh you know, very female-centric image titles. I know you had a lot to say about Paper Girls, which I still haven't quite.
0: Oh crap! I forgot put that on the list yet. for today.
1: <laughs> 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 I mean, that's good lord. That's now in like trade paperback three or four at this juncture. That thing is super popular. Um, three,
0: three, just came three. Out, yeah. Okay,
1: and maybe one day I'll jump on that. Just, but for some reason, I just couldn't. I think it's. I think it was more the art on Paper Girls than anything because it yeah. had a very sort of like you know like you, what you see before you put on like a pair of 3D glasses, like you see kind of like the. Yeah. uh it just has that, and which is great stylistically as a choice. It's it's awesome. It just wasn't my cup of tea at that time.
0: Um, Actually, if you don't mind, like I know we're doing the one and the other. Let, let me talk about Paper Girl since you yeah. brought it up because okay. I I did read Volume Two. This was one of those where I had the trade paperback lingering forever, um, and, you know, since it came out, and then read it right before Comic Con, and then they released <laughs> Volume Three at Comic Con. Oh, neat. Um And uh, so I have not gotten that one yet, but. I, it had been so long since I'd read volume one, I'd kind of forgotten like what a crazy sci-fi story it is. Mm. And I, I love that you juxtaposed it with motor crush because as much as I would recommend like motor crush to, um, you know, I, I don't know who, whom I would recommend that to people, you know, people who are already fans of like, you know, manga and anime and, um, I want more of like an, an action kind of thing. And then paper girls, I would recommend more to like the, the sci-fi eighties movies, fanatics and stuff. And like, so I think you would love paper girls because it is such a great, um, uh, you know, uh, companion to like stranger things, you know, mm. where it takes, it takes place with these four, I think paper girls in the 1980s who literally just deliver newspapers, you know, at like four in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh it starts out like it's just going to be this nostalgia trip and then (laughs) it gets crazy so quickly with like Mm -hmm. an alien invasion happening on halloween so they're Mm -hmm. delivering you know they're delivering the papers like early morning halloween and expecting some kind of pranks and crap like that Mm -hmm. and then uh so what they expect is you know pranks and what they get are like actual aliens and then it turns out into this crazy time jumping um huge sci-fi world building crazy timeline thing and so volume two like i had forgotten how like how that had been hinted at in volume one and volume two i mean it's on page one or two where i went whoa this is Mm -hmm. (laughs) i just blew my mind open you know Mm -hmm. um so yeah i would i love the uh i love the i love comparing that to motor crush and i would definitely say um i think you would enjoy uh yeah, Paper Girls more than um, more than Moto Crush, but uh, interesting. Wow. But yeah, I, you know. But I get. But I, honestly, like you and I've said numerous times, like if you can't get into the art, then, yeah, yeah. If, you know, I, I it's I'm almost like, hey, look, if the art's not for you, don't even bother with it. Yeah, because yeah, that, the art is a big deal, and it's not to discount the story. Um, because for example, this book that I think you would also love, Descender, which I mentioned in our last episode, uh, because I'd seen Dustin Nguyen at um, Comic Con the art I love the art is gorgeous and that's a story I just can't get into. but I actually yeah. think you would really love it. It's another sci-fi like a little robot boy AI and how he deals with this crazy world that you know he sort of regains uh, you know consciousness in. Um, I, well, and, yeah
1: I was, I was gonna say speaking of art and stories that that you know and how those two juxtapose, I'm gonna skip ahead on the list to my next yeah, one. Do it. Um, so when I was in Portland recently, I made my my regular pilgrimages to different uh, comic shops, and I actually this time out spent a lot of time at Floating World Comics, which is probably the greatest indie store of all time. They are also a a publisher um, too, so they've got some of their own titles. I've actually purchased a few things from them over the years, um, you know, books of books of illustrations and stuff too. So, but they've got like I mean, they've got you know the big two uh, as well, but they've got indie stuff that you would not even know about. Um, yeah. and even more indie than like drawn and quarterly, like some really freaking indie stuff. And one of those things was a awesome kind of trade paperback called the theory of the grain of sand. And it's, I'm not, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to completely butcher these names, but it's by shoot shooting, <laughs> which is, it's got like that German tilde thing. And then Peters, and it's an ID, IDW published, um, title. Now, when you open this thing up, every page has got kind of a creamy, almost kind of coppery um, color to it. And then all of the illustrations are like, almost kind of like that stencil stifle um, sort of sort of style. So black, black on that. And then every time they show you the grains of sand or um, other things that are meant to sort of represent that, they're in pure white. So the reason they went with that sort of that grayer, Motif is so that when the, the white comes in, it's definitely visible, definitely important, and like the art is just unbelievably gorgeous. Like there's a steampunk kind of aspect to it, um, you know. There's just just really the de- level of details, unbelievable. Like so, just for that alone, I bought this. I'm like, well, I, just to have this in my collection, I think this is awesome. <laughs> now the story is really cool too. Um, I'm, I'll give you just kind of to instead of just rambling, I'll give you kind of what is on the inside cover. It says Brussels. July 21st, 784. Constant Abels patiently catalogs the stones that have mysteriously appeared in different rooms of his apartment. All are exactly the same weight, 6,793 grams. In a nearby building, a young mother can't figure out what the source for all of the sand that is accumulating in her apartment is. Not far away, the owner and chef of a famous bakery or brewery, Shea um, Maurice, cannot stop losing weight, though his body has not changed. Only weights can hold him close to the ground. And these strange phenomena are getting worse every day and they all connect together. So, like, he's losing as much weight as 6,793 grams. Like, all these things are like related together. So, there's kind of like this mystery of what connects all these things. Like, this world is kind of like a, a steampunk kind of, you know, 1920s kind of world. Um, it, it, there's a lot to it. But the reason I bring this up is this: it's one of those situations where the artwork is just amazing but the story is kind of it's kind of a tough sit like and not that it's bad yeah. it's just like you'd think that it would move a little faster but it's almost like as deliberate as the artwork is the story is is 10 times more deliberate so you gotta like you can't be tired when you read this you gotta really pay attention <laughs> really like take it in and you know it's not i i uh in the notes i mentioned uh you know, not to be confused with the other uh awesome uh graphic novel a tale of sand which is the right. Jim, Jim Henson adaptation uh, screenplay that they turned into it. awesome, awesome, just one of my favorite graphic novels of all time. Um, this is not like that. You know, it's, it shares the shares the title similarities, but it's it itself is a very different feeling kind of kind of book. But uh, I've gone through it once. I'm kind of halfway through my second blaster and I'm definitely picking up things I didn't notice the first time. Um, definitely, it, it feels it feels more like literature and how you know considered it is it's, it's it's one of those that kind of transcends the graphic novel format a little bit and it may be one that you know you see pop up i wouldn't be surprised if it pops up on like you know the hundred greatest graphic novels of all time like you know in yeah a couple of years where it's just like it just kind of be, becomes noticed and found and sort of gets gets on there so it's you know if you want one of those you know higher level reads which i you know i'm sort of a fan of uh definitely and past episodes we've talked about this this is definitely a, a something to keep on your list and you know when the time is right to uh, throw it on there
0: nice yeah i mean i was looking at uh pictures as you were talking about it and it it definitely is like a work of art and i oh. always appreciate that you pick those out when i'm like hey this one's got motorcycle girls in it <laughs>
1: yes but motorcycle <laughs> girls are important um <laughs> in fact this i would love to read that after this because this is so this is so kind of heavy yeah. i kind of feel like a a just a nice bright visual romp i think is a good balance uh cool. balance to this but yeah definitely it's 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 one that you want to you know it has a dreamlike quality to it but it's not surreal in the, in the way that a tale of sand is just completely surreal yeah, um yeah. you know so
0: yeah cool um i got <laughs> i got another twofer for you uh, uh, you i'll make it first. quick so i caught up on uh, uh black, both black science and saga i had um volumes waiting to be read and when I started on those volumes I realized like oh I don't even know where I left off so both of them I had to go back a book and read it so right before comic-con I got caught up on uh both of them in black science I, I read volume five I had to re- go back and read volume four and then read volume five and then at comic-con they released volume six or at least it came out around that time and so I <laughs> now I'm behind again um and saga I finally read uh, I think it's volume seven trade paperback. Mm. Yeah. But I was, str- what was the only note I wanted to make, cause I've mentioned these in every, literally every comic book episode we've ever <laughs> done. So there's no need in me trying to resell these or talk about what they're actually about. Um, they are very different visual styles. Black science is very hard, sharp, uh, like, you know, pen and ink lines. Um, very Italian looking is how I've put it before. Um,
1: yeah very much so
0: saga is uh, uh minimal in an interesting way where like everything is kind of weird and they um you know spaceships don't really look like spaceships they're flying around in a tree that's a spaceship and so it's you know it's like a lot of playful stuff but it doesn't look cartoony in any way you know it doesn't look mm-hmm. silly um it just looks strange uh and it just glancing at a cover of saga will tell you that anyway all i wanted to mention was um, right until I read those last volumes, I probably would have told you, yeah, I read both, but black science is actually my favorite. It's a little bit harder edged and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um reading them back to back and especially going through multiple volumes back to back, I felt immersed in the world of saga in a way that I did not feel in black science. Whoa. Like, I was like emotionally invested in saga. And it is a story about a family um, and a family of these two different alien races that um, are at war, who, you know, whose planets are at war with each other. And so, uh, you know, there's definitely an emotional family uh, part of the storyline. And actually, black science has a, a family storyline, too. But it's it's just kind of cut throat. And it's about like people who've made a lot of bad choices and aren't really trying to make up for them or just kind of like, you know, blindly trying to rescue family in the midst of these bad choices and, mm-hmm. um, black science, uh, it just kind of left me cold and I got to mm-hmm. comic con and found out volume six was out and I went, eh, you know, wow. I'll, pick you, I'll pick it up later.
1: You've been yeah. in the bag for black science for a while too. You've, uh, you know, you've talked about you, that's kind of like your East of West, like, you know, for, yeah.
0: Like, yeah, traditionally I, it's been, you know, and honestly, like, I would still say those first two or three volumes of black science are amazing, but it's this problem that you and I've talked about with movies and TV shows and everything is they've set it up like volume one and two. Uh, like I, I was breathless reading those, you know, it was like, I could not put them down. I'm just flipping pages. Cause it's a, it's a chase instantly. It's like a, they're in a race and they're running and it's like, holy crap, they're jumping from dimension to dimension and things keep getting worse for them. And you know, how's this all going to resolve? But when you get to like volume five, you're going like, okay guys, start wrapping it up, you know? Um, and and it's definitely, you know, they've they've slowed it down. They've explored backstory and, and filled in all this stuff. And it's brilliantly written. Mm-hmm. It's just that they've set it out like a quest with a goal. And, you know, much like our favorite TV show, you know, it's like you get near the end of that goal and you're like, okay, let's just wrap this up. You know, we don't need to keep, we don't need to hear all the backstory now, I think. Mm-hmm. It's like we we get it. You've lost your children in another dimension. Go get them. You know? That's fine. We don't need the we don't need the whole the history of you and your brother and your mom.
1: Well, and it's like uh, what bothers me about those situations are like, you know, if it were a TV show, it'd be like, oh, they don't have the budget. So they're gonna like coast on that for a little while and then maybe next season. Right. We'll do that. Like here, it's like you budget's not a concern. Like like you can do anything you want, jump to it. Like don't pretend as though you're sort of Facing the same constraints story wise that a TV show with production capabilities. Were.
0: Yeah, I don't really understand it. So I, um, but I don't, uh, y- you know, I, it's still a wonderful comic book. I'm just telling you, like, I was emotionally invested in Saga and just lost in the world of Saga reading. It. Ah. So that, yeah, that, that's that's it for those <laughs> picks for me. I didn't want to belabor that point.
1: Yeah, but, well, let's. I'm going to go to one that's a bit more accessible. Uh, another pick I, I got at uh, Floating World. Uh, that's very indie to the point where I think Kilgora Books has only published this. Um, <laughs> it's called My Hot Date by Noah Van Skiver or Skyver. And it is, uh, you know, it's a, it's one of those kind of like little, very indie comics. You know, everything is hand drawn, hand colored. Um, it has that feel to it. But it's been apparently that 1 million copies have been sold and it's based on a true story. So I'm like, oh, why not? You know, it's one of those, I, just, I was looking for something a little quirky like this especially after freaking the theory of the grain of sand. I was like, I need something to balance that out. So I grabbed this, and it's, it's kind of a delightful little little read. You know, it's super fast. Um, you know, I, I'm looking at it right now. There's probably, you know, maybe 50 or 60 pages. Um, super fast. It's, it, it, I will say this. It's about the, uh, the authors kind of growing up in the mid-90s and, uh, you know, his first date that he went on and it's huh. if you if you're ever jonesing for some 90s nostalgia like pull this get this one and pull it out because it's like every in the way that ready player one deliberately you know pours 80s nostalgia into into its story this does it uh you know uh, unintentionally like there you know all the 90s references are just sort of there they don't you know they don't shine a giant light on them and try to like pack every nineties thing into every sentence, you just get a feel of like pretty instantly. Oh, that's right. This is what it was like to live back then. You know, everything from Mm -hmm. IRC chat rooms to, you know, corn playing on a CD and you know, a (laughs) shitty little Walkman somewhere, Uh, you know, like just all that stuff. And uh, the main character too, like he's got, you know, he's, he's from a very like, you know, lower middle class family. Like he and his sisters have to share a, a bedroom together in his mom's apartment, and just like he's, you know, he's like a, he's a skateboard kid, and he's not a very good one. All of the things that if you grew up in the '90s, like you're, you're gonna find some familiarity to, even if you this wasn't your story, like you'll feel like, oh, this could have been my neighbor. Oh, this could have been one of my friends at school. Um, so just, it's really fun. It's got a, it's got kind of a fun twist ending. You know, when he finally goes on the date, um, you know, there's <laughs> a, there's a kind of a really funny twist. There's a lot of, there's a lot of humor in this thing. So yeah, if you're looking for just a nice. Fun little read. I, I will say too, this looks visually, it looks like something they would have animated for MTV, you know, to to follow Beavis and Butthead
0: today, right? <laughs> like a, a Daria.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's yeah. got the Daria kind of vibe to it. So this would have fit right at home with that animation style if they you know, decided to make it a, a thing uh, or you know, a show or a little, a little short uh, movie or something. So it's, if you're missing the 90s, uh, definitely pick this one up.
0: Nice. I would actually – so you and I, we talked about – we're skipping back and forth, but let's hear what your next one is because really all I've got left are like sort of shout-outs for for some things.
1: Well, let's – and I'm saving this one for last because it's it's the one I'm most
0: (sighs) – You want my shout outs first and then this? Well,
1: no, 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 let's do your shout outs last because I, I we'll wrap it up there. But um the other thing I picked up in Portland is the three book series A D After Death.
0: Yeah, and I'm but, curious about this because uh, this has been recommended to me by other people.
1: Well, it's Scott Snyder with Jeff Lemire um, doing it. And I've heard about it for a little while, and it's it's just three issues. They're kind of in a in a sort of pseudo prestige format, you know, they're bigger than a, a regular, right. like physically, like longer and wider than a regular comic would be. Um, you know, the 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 thickness in terms of page count is is deeper. Um I think this one, like I'm looking at episode or episode uh, issue three, it's like six bucks, you know, a, a copy. So and there's only three. And I think they've done since a trade paperback of them all. But honestly just pick up the three individual issues if you can. Like they're like almost like mini trades onto themselves. So they're just I, kind of
0: they're kind of cool. Actually, there's a crazy huge volume of this out now because I saw it at at Comic Con.
1: Yeah, exactly, and they, they collected them all and probably added a bunch of stuff. So, um, now this and that's one, it, I think. Yeah, that's it. There's not. It's not an ongoing series. It was, it, you know, uh, definitely meant to be a limited run, you know, three issue thing. There was an arc that definitely wraps up, um, and it's one of those books where it's, you know, the 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 art is, I would typically not like the art. But the story was so compelling, I'm like, I kind of put up with it. And it's that art style that I don't usually gel with, where it's kind of the hand drawing with like watercolor coloring, um, which is, you know, can work. But in this case, I'm just like, ah, I don't know. What hooked me, though, was that it it was a lot like Jonathan Hickman's um, Pax Romana, where, it, you know, there's a, the artwork's great, but a lot of pages are just pure text with maybe a kind of a splash image in the background or, you know, kind of accompanying the text. A lot of it's just like a script that you just read. Um,
0: Give us a little hint on the, like, what's the story about? Because I I don't know anything about it. Yeah.
1: And this is what sort of hooked me. It it takes place in a kind of, again, a pseudo dystopian world where there's this calamity that's impacted earth. And you don't know if it's climate change, you don't know what it is, but they have built this, um, this sort of uh, enclave, this sort of, this, this haven for the survivors in the, in the Rocky mountains, at least that's what I'm taking it as the Rocky mountains. Um, and it's, you know, kind of a future futuristic place. And you find out pretty quickly that most of the people there, uh, can live forever. They don't age anymore. So you, you kick in with the main character and he's doing, he's doing some farming and he's been talking about how he's been doing this farming for like the last 30 or 40 years. And he's going to go on a break, you know, for a hundred years and then come back you know, to do the farming later. And you're like, wow, this is their life. Like they, they all kind of switch jobs every, you know, you know, half a century and they, I, from what I can tell too, they don't get it. They do that cool thing where they mention aspects of the technology of the world, right? Super duper delve into them. So you kind of get like, which I like because it's like the, the story just keeps going and you kind of get these incidental glances at how the world works because those things aren't necessarily Critical to the story, but they 're nice garnishing you know to yeah. the, the actual story, so I like that because then it kind of lets you decide you know why that thing is the way it is or how it happened, and you can kind of self author as you go so apparently like they do a mind wipe too where you you know some of these people have lived for you know centuries, and you know they they make a point to mention that the main character was married to another main character at one point, and you know she's married to somebody else now because you know when they reset themselves um he does he knows that he was married to her, but he doesn't remember you know, a lot of the life or, you know, what happened. So it's it's a really interesting story. Uh, and I would tell you volumes or book one and two are, are awesome. Book one especially is, is great. Book three, some people will probably think the ending is beautiful and awesome. And, and there's definitely some merit to that. But the, the ending to me felt a little cliche and a little, it just wasn't as satisfying as what they were building up for. Um, you know, it's kind of one of those classic, without giving too much away it's just one of those classic like you know t- take take into account the fact that they've you know these people have been living for hundreds and hundreds of years you can imagine at some point they're probably going to repeat things that they've done before without knowing it and mm-hmm. you there's a lot of that kind of playing at the end end of the book um, and again you can take that as oh that was that was the perfect ending for me i just like i've seen this ending before i i really felt like there was there's a lot of interesting kind of world building stuff that they were putting out there that i thought would have been A little bit more interesting or more like you know dark it it was kind of it was it was looking like it was going to be a black mirror episode like it has it had all the makings of like a great black mirror episode and the ending just wasn't as shocking or as like twisty as you'd wanted it to be it just it was it just felt a little more like oh you know we've seen this i kind of wanted something like you know what the hell I, i wanted to complete this going you're just totally mind blown like what right right how how is that possible so i you know i'm definitely glad i i picked it up um you know, maybe one of those things that I have a different context for after a couple more, you know, over the years. If I re- you know reread it, um, I think will be interesting. But definitely, if you if you're thinking about it, grab book one first, because um, you know that'll let you know if you're acquainted with the artwork and just if the story is your cup of tea. Um, and then if you know, go on from there and just just know that book three may, you know, it, you may love it, you may hate it. Um, I was kind of somewhere in the middle.
0: Cool. Yeah, I mean, I've I've heard great things about it, and the the collected edition is really you know insanely beautiful. Um, so it's interesting that when you approach it as three separate episodes, that you have that takeaway. You know,
1: uh, you know what it kind of reminded me of, just stylistically, like you could easily see this being turned into a film a la Ex Machina. It had that yeah. sort of immediacy, and like they don't pack it with a bunch of characters. Like you know, you you basically have one main protagonist and like three or four sub you know supporting characters, and that's about it. And you kind of like, yeah, you, you can tell a really compact, nice little indie film story here that I think again, you know, the ending is what it is, but like you could see it sort of being done in that vein where it kind of feels like, oh, this is a cool indie sci-fi movie, like you know, a la X Mac, you know, a la, you know, those movies that we've kind of associated with it.
0: Nice. All right. Well, I'll do my short shout-outs and we can talk about like what's on the the reading yeah. list and and uh and what's coming up for like Todd and Taylor podcasts. Um yeah, let's do it. Yeah. but my uh Again, another comic that i 've mentioned on literally every episode that we 've ever done is Chew, uh, which mm-hmm. wrapped up a while ago, and knowing that it was wrapping up, I and I was already behind i just have, i didn 't go out and buy like all the trades you know until mm-hmm. the wrap up um, but there 's another it 's probably on our last episode about comics where um, I talked about catching up to where they were at that point and just mm-hmm. like really loving the the world again that they 're in. Uh, chew is this crazy world where everybody has like sort of superpowers related to food and it's just mm-hmm. funny and goofy, but also hyper violent and gross. And, it, you know, it appeals to me on all these ways, like it has weird, uh, government conspiracies and weird religions and, you know, kind of superpowers. And, um, anyway, uh, so I have, um, I'm just buying those trades that I'm missing, which are 10, 11 and 12, like you know, every couple of weeks when I finished one up. And what I found out when I got 10 was I don't remember where this left off. So I had to go back and read it and catch up and like get back all into it again and had that same sense of discovery where it's like, Oh yeah, I love this. I can't wait to see what comes next. So that's, what's going on on my t- that TBR list. Um, I also wanted to give a shout out to, uh, my friend, Eric Coda, who we interviewed um, last year, after his first experience in Artist Alley on Comic-Con, um, he did several issues of Extraordinary X-Men this year, and they have just been uh, compiled into that trade, which is Extraordinary X-Men and then the uh, Roman numerals IVX. I don't really understand that. but um, It's got an X in it. What, <laughs> what, what you I know, I know. <laughs> and it's like it's not a 14 because that would be XVI, but this is IVX. Uh, anyway, it's really cool. Eric's art is on the like hero page. Like when you open it up, like the splash page is is his art and his art is on the back. Um, even though I, th- I think there's maybe two more artists in the arc that's collected there. Um, it's just very cool. And uh, it's especially cool to, you know, have a friend that <laughs> did a book like this. He didn't even tell me it was coming out. I saw it in the store and, you know, immediately texted him like, what is this dude? <laughs> um, and then I figured because this has been, Oh my God, a year and a half in us talking about it. I finally finished DK3. And I thought we should just at least commemorate that moment and it <laughs> up.
1: Now, are they, is DK3 totally done?
0: Yes. That okay, w- Christ. Because I was heard. waiting
1: for that to happen before I even considered diving back in. I last left off at 5, I think.
0: And true? I think that's where I stopped reading as well, but this was on my pull list and I remember adding it because I I it was just very funny that I said it to the, you know, the clerk in the store. I was like, "Yeah, we might as well just put this on the pull list." Like I <laughs> I was like I'm obviously like I'd already bought maybe 6 and 7 at that point and I i several times inquired like, "Aren't they wrapping up with 6? Aren't they wrapping up with 8? You know, where are we going?" with this and they were like no it's nine now i think i don't even remember where it ended but uh anyway i got them all it's done uh i i this was one where my enjoyment of the thing was probably greatly hampered by the fact that it took like two years for this to come out Mm. you know if they had just put this out as a book yeah or if they put one out every single month for for nine months I probably would just read it and it would have been fine. Mm-hmm. But it took so long in between episodes and and both you and I stopped reading it and I had to go back and catch up. Actually, this one, when I'm talking about like all these, this catch up I did of single issues, I didn't go backwards at this one at all to catch mm-hmm. up. <laughs> I only sort of like, you know, uh, I had to, uh, yeah, I, I shouldn't have said I caught up at all with this one because I didn't go back and reread anything. I was like, no, just... <laughs> Well, give me the ones I mean the ones where with, I left off, you know I
1: didn't even start with issue one i because I was so like this looked like such a like a money grab and obviously d k two was just god you know just garbage, garbage. So that was you know I thought we'll see and even even knowing that frank miller was sort of sidelined a little bit by other you know other people kind of handling large chunks of the story or at least the uh the art um yeah, I didn't know so i I've since gone back and 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 let's be honest. Issue one didn't really give you much that you, I mean, no. you could kind of you could kind of start with issue two and get like that they do like a quick little recap, so You're like, okay, I know where I am.
0: Doesn't well, I, I think there's a thing where the reason Dark Knight Returns succeeded for me, at least, um, was so much rooted in that time period. Mm-hmm. You know, in the late '80s, uh, the Reagan presidency, like Miller's. It, miller's story wasn't just about like batman yeah it, it was about that moment and sort of these symbols that we use and you know superman had become this ultra patriotic basically weapon of the united states superpower mm-hmm. um and batman was still was this you know he had aged caught up to him and so he was not moving as quickly as he used to uh but he was still kind of a resistance fighter you know like here's a guy that is not beholden to mm-hmm. uh you know the government or systems of justice like in that or you know like what i mean institutions of institutional well, justice he is his own yeah. justice company. and but it was and it worked as a critique of comics and the the zeitgeist and all that kind of stuff and then you keep rebooting him in different decades and it's like ugh, well the
1: you know? problem is i mean your the critique aspect of it is what, what got me because it at yeah. that time, we have to intentionally go back and think. This is a time before Image, Dark Horse, IDW, yeah. all of them, right? So this was a very indie-feeling book at a time when indie comics were not anything like what we've seen today. Like so much oh, yeah, of indie yeah, yeah. comics today is influenced by Watchmen, by Dark Knight, all, you know, all of that. And I feel like the the problem that nobody nobody wants to talk about at the major level is that that story started and concluded like yeah. there was it was done it concluded the batman story definitively like that was that should have always been thought of as you know if you're if you're doing your own headcanon like dark knight returns is the last batman story you know
0: yeah yeah like, exactly and then and it's like
1: to see like and we're bringing him back again and we're bringing him back a third time he's 60 now and uh
0: it's just like nah, well, yeah, yeah, we don't need it yeah. it's not He was already 60 in Dark Knight Returns. Now he's like 95 years old.
1: Yeah, I'm just like, I don't, you know, and it would have been better off if he had, you know, if he had died, if Bruce Wayne had died and Carrie Kelly, he was basically like the lead, the lead character. I would have bought it way more. I'd be like, oh, great. Like, that's the perfect thing. Like, she's carrying on the legacy. Um, But it's just like, he's still hanging around. And like, I don't, I can't buy the fact that he, you know, yeah, he's got a great mind. Like, they should have kept him. They could have done a really cool thing with, especially with this third one, where he embraces the uh, Bruce Wayne of the uh, what's that Batman cartoon in the future where Bruce Wayne's basically like back at the computer. What am I? Oh, what am I
0: talking Beyond. about? Batman Beyond.
1: Batman Beyond. Yeah, they could have done a really cool kind of Batman Beyond homage where he Bruce Wayne's still around, but he's not ever going to suit up. He's kind of like Oracle. He's back at the computer, yeah, like yeah. You know, advising either Carrie Kelly or you know if they want to bring in the the dude who plays Batman and beyond. Like, however, it needs to be that would have been I would have been super duper into that. But instead, it's just like I don't know, man. Like,
0: uh. no, I'm with you. It's Sigh.
1: you got Ellen, you got Ellen <laughs> Yendel running around too. Like, she's like she's like a born again. You know, like she believes she's like Han Solo in Star Wars. She's like, it's all true. I believe. That. Yeah. It's like <laughs> Ellen Yendel. You were like the most hard ass. Like. Person of this entire, this entire story, like you can you don't just flip on a dime and become like a believer. You don't just become Jim Gordon, you know. That's it's, that's uh,
0: yeah, uh, you know. I, let's just. We'll just leave it there. (laughs) Let's close that book. We have closed the book on DK three forever. And unfortunately it's one of those things where, you know, sometimes uh, a work is, sometimes you have a lot to say about a work because it's so good or bad, but this one's like, man, I don't even want to dig for stuff to try to say about it. It's like,
1: can I ask you one, one more thing? Yeah. Does, um, does the, uh, what's the, what's the dude who shrinks? I I keep wanting to call him Adam. Adam. Yes. The DC's version of Hank Pym. Adam's storyline uh, at least when I last left, it was was uh, interestingly tangential to the main sort of thing. Does he come back? Does his thing matter? Or does he just become a sideline kind of character? I don't even remember.
0: He, uh, <laughs> that's
1: all you do. I mean, that's, that's the
0: honest truth. Is that's, the, he, that's, that's all I need to hear. I know there are scenes of him back, but <laughs> as you say that, I'm like, wait, is that maybe in just issue five? What Maybe I... <laughs> Well, I, can I, I? Can I? This tells you it. everything. I don't. I literally don't even remember the story. So, spoilers, I mean, I, spoilers,
1: yeah. spoilers, 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 spoilers. At the end of issue four or five, I forget which. He, the uh, the evil Kryptonians, trip yeah. his shrinking thing, and he starts shrinking forever. Um, very, very similarly to to. By the way, which what happens? What happens to Scott Lang? And- Scott Lang, yeah, in the Ant Man <laughs> movie, which I had seen after reading that, so I was like, oh wow, that actually adds new context. So he just started shrinking forever, and I would hope that one point that would you know, he'd find a way to reverse that or he would become a, a linchpin to their succeeding over the Kryptonians. Just something,
0: but apparently hmm. apparently it wasn't anything great. I, I do think he comes back as I recall, but it just, you know, again. Yeah. I, All right. I don't know. Yeah. It's, well, note, it's such a it's such a weird story. Yeah. 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 Like I said, we've said enough about it. Let's Yeah. Do you have uh you know, do you have a to be red pile that's coming up for our next comic episode? I, keep each other I, accountable here.
1: Yeah, let's do so. um, uh, The many things I'm going to definitely grab and read, and maybe even today, grab and read the Southern Cross Volume Two trade paperback. Um, You know, Southern Cross Volume One was one of my favorite mystery, like sci-fi mysteries. Like it's, it was definitely a mystery story set on the board, a kind of haunted spaceship. Um, And Southern Cross Two did this thing where it it kind of takes the story in a whole new way with a whole new tangent storyline or narrative and they're gonna hopefully join it up to the first one again so i'm actually really intrigued by that um definitely gonna grab that definitely gonna grab um uh try to catch up on postal which i've been meaning to for a while you know postal's been one of those uh um top cow series that i just i've really fell in love with and they just the problem with postal is they have two other titles um that share the postal universe and they've done a couple event kind of crossovers and it's like I feel like I kind of have to know all that before I get to those crossovers. And so they kind of made it more complicated on me, but um, yeah. it was the when I last left off. It was really headed in an interesting direction. Like that whole, that whole thing needs to be an, uh, an AMC series tomorrow. Like they should be optioning that now. So when walking dead's over, that just falls right in place. Cause it's, it is a killer killer series that has no fantastical elements. It's all about this little small town in Wyoming that nobody know, knows about where all these ex-convicts, uh, go to basically live, you know, out of the limelight, you know, hopefully peacefully. And they have to kind of coexist. So you've got like, you know, white supremacist murderers against, you know, right alongside like, ch- you know, child pedophiles and stuff. And it's kind of like this create, and there's this, this kid, his, whose mother is the mayor. And this kid is like, um, Mark is the, uh, the postmaster, but he's got some, some severe, um, uh, Asperger's. And, but he's learned to kind of turn his Asperger's into almost like a Sherlock Holmes power. So he's like running around trying to solve all these mysteries and stuff in the town while at the same time learning about his heritage, which is kind of dark and creepy and weird. Hmm. And so it's like the whole thing is, God, it just sucks you right in. It's so good. It's got kind of a, again, for me, my sensibilities, it's got sort of a pseudo Western vibe to it too, although it's set in 20, you know, 2015, 2016. Um, but it's just got its, it's good. And I, I need to catch up on that thing. So I'll hopefully have more to say on that. And then I've got a couple, I've got a couple single things that I need to pick up. You know, I, I might pick up uh, Motor Crush. So I'd love to give you my take on that next time. Yeah, that'd be cool. And uh, yeah, and just probably Invincible. We'll go we'll get more into Invincible next time. I wanted to wait because um, that that's also, Invincible, I think, is also headed toward its end game too. Um, so I kind of wanna <laughs> I want to do more to talk about that than just like the latest issue.
0: That reminds me of some comment I overheard at Comic-Con that somebody said uh, Kirkman was wrapping up *Walkman Dead. Kirkman does Invincible also, right? Yep. And oh, yeah. uh, and, uh, <laughs> and then someone, the other comment I heard was like, it was something like, well, he's got two more years of Walking Dead. And they went, wait, does that mean he has two more years of stories after what's already been completed? Or that they will actually wrap up in two years? Because it's definitely one of those things that, it, you know, it, it's been going on for so long. Yeah, but um, yeah. Uh, so on my list, I mentioned this in uh, our last episode um, where we talked about Comic Con. Was that I heard the artist of Rocket Girl uh, speak on an at an image panel, and I just like they showed a bunch of of her art, and I was like, "Holy crap! I'm really into this story and this art, and it looked amazing." So I'm probably headed to the comic book store to pick up uh, Rocket Girl's trade paperback, uh, Volume One today. Uh, and then I've got um, I've been another thing that's been on my pull list. That I've not caught up with is Supergirl being super, um, which each one is like a kind of a large, uh, it's a comic book size, but they're uh, uh, like, all perfect bound with like kind of a tiny spine. So they almost, you know, they're not quite a trade paperback, but they're bigger than a normal comic book. And it's illustrated by Joelle Jones, whose work I've loved for years. And so um, it may not actually be the story for me, but I just love her work. And so I've been amassing those. And then I've got uh, Bitch Planet Volume 2 sitting on my shelf to read. So, um, yeah, that's where I am.
1: I will say this real quick. uh, And at the time of you listening, this may not be the case. But right now, as we're recording, Comixology has a Jonathan Hickman sale going on as we speak. So yeah, if you're interested, go grab some Hickman stuff. You can't go wrong. That guy. I'll I've said this before, but a quick shout out. If you want to like really get in the world of Hickman, go pick up the nightly news. It couldn't yeah. be more revela- relevant, than, than right now here in, today, <laughs> in today's world. Like it is I, rereading the nightly news. Now is almost too real. Like yeah. it's almost too creepy. You're like this, this could happen right now. Um, okay. Which is, I mean, that's, that's the work of a good art is that it, you know, it takes the, it challenges the mind, both in terms of visual and, and con, you know, and, and text, but it also does, a, it does something to the the state of the world that you're currently living in. And, you know, the longer it can do that, the more sort of timeless it becomes, which is, you know, all we all we really want.
0: Anyway, uh, Todd, where can cool. folks find you online? Um, you can always discuss my unpopular comic book opinions with me on Twitter at HeyToddA. Uh, What about you, Taylor?
1: I'm at on Twitter at Taylor Trask, T-A-Y-L-O-R-T-R-A-S-K. And you can find us both on findusthere.org. Find us there uh, is our handle on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest. And, of course, um, there.network is... Uh, you know where our podcasts are on soundcloud also uh and then wherever podcasts are found itunes stitcher Pocket Cast, google play for those of you out there
0: who like google play
1: um yeah. you know all that good stuff
0: <laughs> cool well uh till next time taylor i will talk to you on wednesday in westeros our Game that's of right Games podcast that's right we'll uh, we'll actually we'll be watching that tonight so i, I look forward to it all right. all right i'll talk to you later